Hello and welcome back to Simple Social Sciences. Today we're on episode 3 of the Psychopathology series and we're looking at the behaviourist explanation for phobias. By the end of this session you should be able to do the following. You should be able to outline and evaluate the behaviourist explanation of phobias and outline and evaluate the behaviourist approach to treating phobias. Let's begin. In our last series, we looked at approaches in psychology, including the behaviourist approach. Based on your knowledge of behaviourism, how do you think they might explain the process of developing a phobia? You can pause if you want some time to think about this. So the two key concepts we looked at were classical and operant conditioning. So behaviourists would argue phobias are learned through classical conditioning. This means phobias are learned through associations. Remember how Pavlov taught dogs to salivate just by hearing the sound of a bell, by repeatedly pairing the bell with food? Well, psychologists Watson and Rayner conducted a similar experiment, but this time they used a baby to condition a fear of rats through associations. At first, little Albert was presented with a white rat. This white rat was the neutral stimulus, as initially it produced no reaction. Next, the psychologist hit two iron rods to make a loud bang. This was the unconditioned stimulus as it evoked an automatic reaction or fear, which was the unconditioned response. After repeatedly pairing the loud bang before presenting the rat, little Albert soon formed the association between the loud bang and the rat. The rat then became the conditioned stimulus, which elicits the conditioned response of fear. So if classical conditioning explains how we form phobias, How do we maintain phobias? Well, this can be explained through the concept of operant conditioning. This means phobias are reinforced through consequences. Operant conditioning is when behaviours are strengthened because an unpleasant consequence is removed. For example, if Tom, who has the phobia of dogs, sees a dog when walking down the street, he might try to avoid the dog by crossing the road. This avoidance reduces his anxiety which is the punishment, and this negatively reinforces his behaviour, making it more likely he will repeat this avoidance when he sees dogs in the future. So what are the strengths and weaknesses of the behaviourist explanation for phobias? Well, strength is the real-life application. Therapies such as systematic desensitisation and flooding have been created based on behaviourist concepts of classical and operant conditioning. This is a strength because these therapies are effective and have been used in the real world to help improve the quality of life of patients. This suggests the explanation has high ecological validity. A further strength is the supporting evidence for the theory. Earlier we looked at the example of Little Albert, which was conducted in highly controlled lab experiments. So using these highly controlled conditions increases the validity of the behaviourist explanation for phobias. However, a weakness of the theory is that it ignores biological and cognitive factors. For example, the biological preparedness theory argues we are predisposed to develop fears linked to the survival of our ancestors. Similarly, cognitive factors such as faulty schemas or phobic stimuli are ignored. This suggests the approach is reductionist as it cannot explain all aspects of the development of phobias, therefore reducing the credibility of the approach. Furthermore, it could be argued that the psychodynamic approach offers a better explanation for phobias. For instance, some phobias are not learned as a result of traumatic associations. Instead, it could be explained by displacement. 
This was found in the case of Little Hans, who appeared to have a phobia of horses, but through psychodynamic therapy, it was discovered he had displaced his fear of his father onto horses. Remember, displacement occurs when we redirect an emotion from one person, object or situation to another. It is possible that sometimes a phobia can be the result of displaced anxiety onto something easier to deal with. These alternative explanations for phobias suggest perhaps not all phobias are the result of classical conditioning, therefore reducing the validity of the approach. Now let's take a little quiz to see how well you understood the evaluative of points covered so far. Question 1. The two-process model has no real-life application. True or false? The answer is false. Therapies such as systematic desensitization and flooding have been created based on behaviourist principles. Question 2. Not all behaviours associated with phobias are the result of anxiety reduction. True or false? The answer is true. Remember psychodynamic approach uses displacement to explain phobias. Question 3. A weakness of the behaviourist approach is the lack of research support. True or false? The answer is false. Of course, we use Little Albert as our example, but there are more examples of supporting evidence for learning phobias through associations. Question 4. The two-process model of phobias ignores cognitive factors. True or false? The answer is true, and this is a weakness, as it fails to consider the key role faulty schemas or faulty information processing could play in developing phobias. Now let's take a look at those behaviourist therapies we mentioned earlier in a bit more detail. These were systematic desensitisation and flooding. Systematic desensitisation involves constructing an anxiety hierarchy. This includes a list of least to most fearful situations involving the phobic stimuli. I want you to create an anxiety hierarchy for a dog, so pause the video and do that now. So an example of some situations going from least fearful to most fearful involving an anxiety hierarchy for a dog might look like this. Number one, patients are introduced to dogs through photos. Two, they may watch the small dog on a lead through a window in another room. Three, the small dog's introduced to the same room on a lead. Four, they watch the loose dog through a window. Five, the loose dog is in the same room. Six, repeat with different, maybe larger dogs. Seven, observe loose dogs in a park from a distance. And eight, which would induce the most anxiety, is having close proximity to dogs in a park. Let's apply what we've learned so far to a scenario. So Samara has a fear of cats. Her fear stops her from going anywhere she thinks she might see a cat, including her best friend Amira's house. Explain how Samara's phobia could be treated using systematic desensitization. Pause the episode to have a go at answering the question, and I'm going to share the answer with you shortly. So first, Samara would meet with a therapist and construct an anxiety hierarchy. This is a list of situations involving her phobic stimulus, which is cats, going from least fearful to most fearful. For example, least fearful situations could include looking at photographs of cats to most fearful situations involving sitting in Amira's living room with a cat roaming freely. Before she goes through each stage, Samara must be taught relaxation techniques. This might include breathing exercises. Samara will then be exposed to each level, using her breathing exercises to remain calm before moving up to the next level. This is known as counter-conditioning, as she is replacing her fearful response with a calm response. 
So what are some of the advantages and disadvantages of systematic desensitization? A strength of the treatment is the supporting evidence. For example, Gilroy et al. investigated the effectiveness of systematic desensitization for spider phobias and found it to be highly effective. This suggests it is a useful approach to treating phobias. Another strength is the suitability for most patients. For example, children and those with learning difficulties might not find other treatments such as flooding or drug therapy as suitable for their needs. This makes it a useful method for treating phobias as it can help more people. A problem of this treatment is that it cannot help people with extreme phobias. This might require the patient to take anti-anxiety medication before they can engage in therapy. This would mean treatment would not be effective in these cases. Flooding is another behaviourist approach to treating phobias. This also involves exposure to phobic stimuli, however, this time it involves immediate exposure in a maximum intensity and maximum anxiety-inducing situation. An example would include Samara in a room with 10 cats roaming free with little to no involvement from the therapist. Samara would be encouraged not to leave the room until she no longer feels anxiety in the presence of cats. This therapy is based on the idea that adrenaline and fear have a time limit, so eventually Samara would calm down and realise her phobia of cats is unwarranted. So what are the pros and cons of flooding? Well, some of the advantages is that it's quicker as phobias can be treated in just one session, which makes it cheaper as it's done quickly, which means less sessions, less money spent. This makes it a useful treatment to phobias as it requires less commitment compared to systematic desensitization and other talking therapies. However, a disadvantage of this approach is the extreme distress because there is no build-up in exposure. This might lead to patients quitting halfway and maintaining their phobias. It may also be ineffective at tackling certain phobias, such as social phobias, making this approach less useful as a form of treatment. Now that we've finished, you should be able to outline and evaluate behaviourist approach to explaining and treating phobias. If you were to have a phobia, or if you do have a phobia, which treatment would you rather have? Systematic desensitisation or flooding? Comment your reasons why below.